Does anyone know what mahalo means? It actually has multiple meanings, right? It, one of those meanings is thank you. Now, how many of you have been to Hawaii? Anyone? Okay. When you get there on the trash cans, on the front, it says mahalo. So very wise people like myself went for a few days thinking that mahalo meant trash, <laughs> right? And so I'm hearing people go, mahalo, I'm like, trash? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> and so, <clears throat> anyways, so I finally figured out, you know, we went, to a, we went on a tour uh, of where Jurassic Park was shot, right? And the tour guide kept saying, you know, mahalo. And, uh, and then finally he said, for those of you who don't know, you know, some of our Hawaiian language. And he's like, you know, like, for instance... Uh, mahalo, I, I'm talking like that because he was like a beach dude, but mahalo means thank you. And have you ever had an epiphany? <laughs> right? And for multiple days, I'm thinking to myself, people are like mad at me. I'm doing something wrong here on vacation. Only to find out means thank you. So now I can go to Hawaii and say mahalo and know exactly what I mean. So here's what I would like. We need to practice it today to make me feel better for the lost time when we were in, in Hawaii, this is what I would like to do. I would like for you to look at the people around you and just look at them with a mean, with a mean face. Right now, go ahead, right now. Just look at someone next to you. Jeremy, you can look at Josh because you're both kind of alone here. Here's what I want you to do. And then just say, mahalo. Now, hey, no kissing, no kissing. You're supposed to be mean face right now. We didn't get to the kissy part yet. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Is that how it happens? Oh. Too much information. Too much information. All right. Now I want you to look at the same person. Give them a big smile. You have my permission to smooch on this one. Give them a big smile and then say, except for you two. None of that. Say, mahalo. Now, I know most of you are like me, and on the first mahalo, you just wanted to flip somebody off, right? You, no, well, some of us, just, no, but on the second one, when you understand the meaning, it takes on a whole new picture, right? All of a sudden, you want to hug the person who said that to you, like Jeremy and Josh, right now. Go ahead, say mahalo, give each other a hug, right now, just for everybody. We want to see what this is like. This is, can I just tell you, it is ridiculous what a pastor can get people to do. It's ridiculous. It was close. I almost asked, but I'm, I don't, I don't want to see that this morning. Mahalo, Josh. Mahalo. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 8. What we're going to see here is Paul writes this amazing letter to one of the early churches, right? And for those of you who don't know, Paul is one of the foundational people in the movement of planting churches, much like we've done here, of planting churches everywhere he's gone on what we call his missionary uh, trips, right? And, and, and in one of these missionary trips, he ran across this great group of people. And so he begins to write them in this letter, and I want to read the letter with you and then take a second to kind of break out 
some of the thoughts that we need to, to really pull out of, of what we're reading here. We're going to start in verse 3. Paul says, Our prayers for you are always spilling over into thanksgivings. We can't quit thanking God our Father and Jesus our Messiah for you. Now, I don't know how many people that you have in your circle in life, right? We all have our little circle of influence of people who are with us in life. For some of us, it's our immediate family. For some of us, it's just a small circle of friends that maybe we met in college or early on in life. You know, but all of us have this circle of influence that kind of walks life with us. And, and now, with Facebook and Twitter and everything else, our circles are a little bit bigger than they used to be, but we still have this circle of influence, right? And mine may be bigger than yours, yours may be, but when we think about those people, there's always a range of emotions that come into us, and there's always a reason why that range of emotions will come into that, right? I have a particular set of friends who are just boneheaded, right? They think life for them is just different than life for me, right? I'm sure when they think of me, they think that guy's just boneheaded. They're my friends. I've been friends with them for a long time, so I can't get rid of them now, right? There are days I'd like to. But we just see life different. For them, life is about consumption, right? I need this, I gotta have that, and then I'll be happy. For me, life is, is opposite of that. And so we just kind of butt heads there. But when I think of this group of friends, that's the emotion I get. Do you feel me? Some of you uh, think of it. Now, I'll tell you this right now. When I think of my family, it's the exact opposite of that. My family is really good at having fun, right? I mean, that's just, we're just good at that. We laugh a lot. We, we, we're on vacation with my mom and dad. And, you know, some of you are like, why would you do that right there? That's crazy. But we're in a restaurant, and this waitress came up to us, and it was our, we went, we like this little cafe, so we go there a lot. And she came up to us, and she goes, you guys were here yesterday, right? And I said, yeah. She goes, I remembered you, because you guys laughed the entire meal. That's kind of how I think of my family, right? When I think of my sisters, and my mom, and my dad, and sometimes my brother-in-law, that's kind of how, that's kind of how I think, hey, he thinks of me the same way. But that's kind of how I think of my emotional circle, right? Paul says this, listen, every time I go to pray for you, he's telling this church, every time I go to pray for you, all I can think about and all I can pray about is what? Thanksgiving. Every time, my heart is full of praise for you. Now, if you go to think of someone in that way, and that's the emotion, that's what comes out of you when you're speaking to God, then guess what? Somebody in that church is doing something right. You follow me? So here's what I start to think in my mind. I've got to find out what it is that that little church is starting to do that gets this guy of who we all think of as a, as a forefather of our faith, who gets this guy so excited that every time he prays for you, it's full of thanksgiving and it's full of praise. I've got to find out what that is because truthfully, that's where I want to be. You with me? I want to be in that place in life that every time someone who would be a mentor to me or someone who, who I would look up to would look at my life and be full of thanksgiving. I got to find out what that is. So let's keep going. It says this. We keep getting reports on your steady faith in Christ, our Jesus, 
and the love you continuously extend to all Christians. There's the first thing. The love you continuously extend to all Christians. Now, I want you to look around the room right now. Go ahead, look around. First off, you guys look good today. Let me just say that. You look good today. Some of you dressed up. Some of you got all purty. My wife is purty today. Uh, but here's what I want you to understand, what, what I want you to see here. You all, in my mind, have gotten to a place where extending love is the norm. And that is a good place to be. You with me? Where extending love is the norm. Where you begin to recognize and use those little cards that we have over there to give little blessings to people in their everyday walk, and you don't need the credit you follow me? Those moments really began to make a pastor like me start to really think of Thanksgivings every time I think of you. Because I've heard stories of people being blessed by things that you've done that the church has not put together for you. Right? There are opportunities that you have created for yourself. You have learned what it means to continuously extend your love circle to those who you have influence over. And we all know that that's a big circle, right? You can have influence over someone by just not looking them in the eyes when you pass them in the hallway. One of my biggest pet peeves in life, I'm telling you, I pass somebody in the hallway, I do this the whole way. And most of them do this because some creepy guy keeps staring at them in the eyes. Let's keep going. The lines of purpose in your lives never grow slack tightly tied as they are to your future in heaven, kept taught by hope. What is that hope in? Anybody? You know what that hope is in? I'm going to answer it for you. That hope is the return of Jesus Christ. Do you remember a few weeks ago we talked about how the disciples were all standing on the mountain just kind of looking up? And then the two men in white just kind of appeared beside them and they started looking up? And they're like, what are you guys looking at? You need to go, right? But the truth is there is some hope in that picture that, that I kind of made fun of. But the reality is that in our hearts and our spirits and our hope, we all want to be kind of where those disciples were in our everyday life. Because truthfully, my heart is preparing itself for a reconciliation, for a moment when I get to see Christ again. You with me? And I remember in Scripture where Jesus himself said that there will be those of you, there will be disciples of mine, that's who he was speaking to, there will be those of you who have never seen me, who have never heard my voice. Those will be even more blessed than those of you who got to walk with me and witness the miracles. And be there firsthand. Well, guess who's one of those disciples? You and me. And so there's this certain hope that I can't wait for the return of Christ. When we have lost that, we lose our hope. You follow me? As Christian people, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we can never lose the hope 
of the return of Jesus Christ. That's the moment. That's where the hunger is, right? That's the thirst that I can't wait for. For that promise when Jesus said to us, I have gone to prepare a place so that I may come back so that what? You may be where I am. That's what it's all about. I want to be where he is. You follow me? Your, your future in heaven. Verse 5, the message is as true among you today as when you first heard it. The message is as true among you today as when you first heard it. It doesn't diminish or weaken over time. It's the same all over the world. The message bears fruit and it gets larger and stronger just as it has in you. From the very first day you heard and recognized the truth of what God is doing, you've been what? Come on. Right? Come on. From the very first time, a sickness that's developed on the church is this. It's, it's almost a ritual in people's lives. You become a disciple of Jesus Christ, right? There is a moment when you make that distinct decision to become a disciple of Jesus Christ. In One Love Church, that's our baptism moment, right? That's our big moment at this church. When you become baptized... That means you are starting your journey as a disciple. That's your discipleship moment. I've become a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, here's what happens for a lot of us in the church. We become a disciple of Jesus Christ, and then we plateau. This was the big moment, right? You, you, you guys should have been there years ago when I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. That, that was the big moment. Well, what's happened since then? Oh, you know, life and, and, and then what happens after this? Well, you know, that with this happened, and then this happened. And then we hold on to the promises like, but Jesus says in the dark moments, that's when he comes. True. But I remember the words of Christ saying this. After this moment, I have given you eternal life. I don't want a life that does this. I don't want to plateau after salvation. I want all that God has created for me. I want to experience the life that God has given to me. I want to know what scripture means when Jesus said, I will bless you abundantly. Do you know what abundantly means? Abundantly is not normal. I don't want the normal blessing. I want the abundant blessing. I want to know what's coming. You understand? And if I just live a plateaued, even normal, boring life, I don't, I don't get those things. All I experience is what you have created for me. And I don't want that. You follow me? And so our churches just... Right? And then for a lot of us, we sit in a church for 20, 30 years and, and nothing happens. And then we yell at the pastor because he's not feeding us. You with me? Or, or we get mad because the worship's not the way we like it. So that must be why I can't get that feeling back. The, the, a great pastor, his name's Tony Evans. He's a very wise man. I love him deeply. He doesn't have a clue who I am, but I love him like a spiritual father. I could read everything that guy puts out. And, and he said this 
just a couple days ago. I retweeted it for those of you who follow me. He said this, you can't change the way you live life until you can change the way you think of life. And as long as you think, this is, here's me, this is no more him, but here's me. But as long as you think that life is supposed to be what you have now, you're not going to get there. You follow me? What Paul was so excited about this church, read this with me. What Paul was so excited about this church is he says, your faith is stronger today. You're like a tree that bears fruit and the fruit keeps getting bigger and stronger I want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ that continues to get stronger, that continues to absorb God's plan for my life. Let's keep going. We're almost there. It's as vigorous in you now as when you learned it from our friend and close associate, Epaphras. He's one reliable worker for Christ. I could always depend on him. Here we go. He's the one who told us how thoroughly love had been worked into your lives by who? I tell you all the time that there are going to be times when you're going to feel a nudge to do something positive. And then there's going to be this human side of you kick in, right? What we call that nudge in the church is the Spirit of God, right? He is very real and very alive, but will only move when you're ready to move. He will give you opportunity. He will provide you a place, and then he will sit on you until you're ready to go. A perfect example of that is I knew at about the age of 18 years old that God wanted me to preach, right? I knew that at a very young age. I knew that about 18 years old, we were at a state youth convention, and I remember hearing this pastor talk about, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to fall on you, and you're going to know all this stuff. And I just remember sitting there thinking, oh, Lord, I, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, right? There's no money in that. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to do that. And so for the next 10 years of my life, I'm not exaggerating, for the next 10 years of my life, I fought that. I fought it. And what's hard to understand when you've never been called into ministry is that the Holy Spirit just sits on you when he's called you. And it doesn't matter what you go through in life, you feel that every single day. You know it. It's on your mind. It's in your heart. You feel it. It's a calling. It's what you were created to do. And so for 10 years of my life, I ran from that. I remember having face-to-face meetings with my dad who's a pastor and saying, I will never do that. I will never do that. And my dad saying to me, okay. (laughs) All right. For 10 years, I struggled against that. But you know what happened? The Holy Spirit won. And let me tell you why he won. Because eventually, I got to the point in my life where I thirsted and hungered for the Spirit instead of the world. I felt in my heart That if I didn't make a decision soon, I was going to miss the opportunity. That was 10 years later. 10 years after that, almost to the day, we started One Love Church. Right? One Love Church would have never happened 
without 10 years of struggle, I'm telling you right now, without 10 years of struggle, before I ever said to the Lord, okay, I get it now. I would, I would like to figure out what this discipling thing really is. 10 years of struggle. The Holy Spirit now works before me, okay? I'm gonna, I'll just give you a real quick, I am a moron. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. I forget things. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a wise man. I'm not. I, I'm telling you right now, I have a master's degree from Mid-America Christian University. I don't know how I got it. At the end of it, when they handed it to me, I'm like, I don't know how I got that. I'm horrible at basically everything I do. But let me tell you what happens. Yeah, Sarah did a lot of the work. But let me tell you what happens. <clears throat> what happens is God has already figured out that I'm a moron. Right? He figured that out when I was born. And so what he does is he sets that table for everyone who comes into my life long before I ever get there. So all I've got to do now is just show up. That's all I got to do. I just got to show up. I got to say yes when the opportunity comes. I got to move. I got to be willing to grow and expand and be stronger and be bigger. You follow me? Here are the five things that led this church to being a church that was moved by the Holy Spirit in such a way that one of their leaders would say, it's not me. I'm not doing this. It's the Holy Spirit who's doing this. Because these people are growing in their faith. They're growing as disciples. They can't wait to keep moving. They can't wait to get the energy going. And the Holy Spirit can't wait to use them. Here's the five things. Let's review them. First, they had steady faith. Steady faith. Not rocked or shook or moved or budged by anything that may come your way. Steady faith and understanding that Jesus has got my back. I don't care what you put me through. I've read the stories of the missionaries who have been tortured and killed and crucified and beheaded and hung and whipped. And if they can get through what they're going through, I can get through what I'm going through. You follow me? Steady faith. The second thing, continuous love. Continuous love. And I want you to see what Scripture tells you. Not just love for those who are outside these walls, but love for people inside of these walls. Love for people who are sitting with you right now. Do you know how you get to love people who are sitting with you right now? you got to learn the people who are sitting with you right now. you got to invest in their lives. you got to take them out to dinner or take them out to lunch after church or make sure you get to know someone here on a Sunday morning that you've never met before. you got to reach outside of your little social circle that you come to church with and invest into those people. That's how a Christian community feeds itself. It's not good enough that you come to church and write your tithe check. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I am not here to be your social meal. You follow me? That's your job. And, and let me tell you, one of the things that frustrates me more than anything else is for people to go to a church for a long time and say, well, I just never connected. Well, what did you do? I sat in my chair for two years and waited for people to come to me. Well, that's not how you connect. You connect by going. You follow me? Continuous love. Number three, a taught purpose. I want to be a part of a church with a taught purpose who understands that the return of Jesus Christ could happen at any moment and I will live my life in a flurry of faith knowing and understanding that when he comes back, I'm going to be ready. You follow me? A taught purpose. 
Number four, staying strong. And number five, a vigorous passion. Church, this morning I say mahalo to you. Because the truth is that when I leave this place, I can't wait to come back. When I visit other churches, I can't wait to get back here. When I speak in other places, I cannot wait to come back here. And, and you don't even know the things I hear about crazy little one love church. But I'm going to tell you this right now. There is nowhere else I'd rather be. And this is why. Because I get to be with you. I get to be with you, those of you who are disciples of Jesus Christ and are strong in your faith, who love continuously, whose passion is undeterred, who understands that there is a calling on your life that no one can take away from you. And all our job here is to do is provide you with opportunities to use it. That's all I'm here for. So thank you. Thank you for being my faith family because you are who I sharpen myself against. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> you know, I, 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 uh, I love to pray. And I don't know about you, and I don't know uh, what your prayer life is like. Um, I'll just, I will admit something to you right now. I am not a, a very good at, at, at daily reading of the Bible. I'm not very good at that. But I'm going to tell you what I am good at. I pray. <laughs> I pray a lot. And, and I even pray almost daily that God makes me better at getting into the Word. Right? And here's why. There is so much encouragement and there is so much life in the God-breathed words that are in that little book that we can pull from and, and it can extend our vitality. That on my vacation, in, in the one moment that I wanted to be as far away from church life as I could be, because that's the only break I get, peeps, so I want to be as far away as I can, right, laying on that beach. God told me to get into the Word and to get into this particular story. And I'm going to tell you why. Because I read about a little church, and it was a little church, don't get me wrong. I read about a little church that gave Paul such life that every time he prayed for them, it was just thanksgivings. There wasn't complaining, there wasn't... God, we don't have this and we don't have that and how are we going to get by next week? It was just thankfulness. And I'm going to tell you, church, that's how I pray for you. That's how I pray for you. It's thankfulness in my heart. It's, it's, it's the gratitude of being able to worship with a bunch of people that I just like being around. And, and some of you may not know me that well. I'm going to tell you right now, uh, you can pay for El Toro for me anytime. I'll go out to eat with you. <laughs> Anytime. But the truth is this. There is nowhere else that I would rather be. And so I want you to know this. I want you to know that I pray for you. I want you to know that every single night I pray for you.
Give me a second. And you have no idea what you mean to me. And I can only pray to give to you back the way you give to me. So, mahalo. Let's pray. Ooh, God, you got me crying. (laughs) Father, I thank you. I thank you, God, for One Love Church. And God, I know we don't have a lot. Father, we meet in a little bitty office building with air conditioner that's crappy. And God, I just, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful for my little one of church. And I pray, God, that as we grow, and Father, I know we're growing, God, we, you've tripled us in size in a year, and God, I just pray that as we grow, Father, that we don't lose that. That, Father, we don't lose you and the importance of love and the importance of a steady faith. And God, most of all, Father, that we don't lose a hope that you are returning soon so that we may be with you. God, I pray for One Love Church. I pray for everybody in this room. Father, I pray for those who are going through some really difficult moments right now. Father, they know who they are, and God, they are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we pray over them. Right now, God, we pray that you intervene in their life. That you show yourself in a mighty way. That you move in a mighty way. Father, we pray for everyone in this room, God, who is being blessed abundantly. God, we pray that you continue to let those blessings flow. But Father, most of all, we pray that in every way we move and in every word we speak and in every way we live life and in every movement of love, God, that you are glorified and not us. That, Father, it is through us that people see you. Because, Father, we love you. We adore you. And we come here this morning to worship your name. God, we love you. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Amen. Let's worship together.